Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about pixie dust, mermaid storms, and the entrance into season three and Neverland. I am Beth Elderkin. I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are, how are you doing? Is, is How's Neverland treating you so far? I'm just excited that we brought Tim Allen's The Santa Claus into uh, Storybrooke with the magic uh, snowballs or snow globes. So interesting mm. parallels, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait to see where this season goes. <laughs> yes, we are uh, talking about season three, episode one, "The Heart of the Truest Believer." The what? What did we call it last time? The cardiology the, of most certainty. Most certainty. I never remember the last <laughs> part, but yeah, I already. I always remember the cardiology part. Yes. Um, so this is a direction. And it's clear that the showrunners at the by the end of season two were like, okay, we gotta we gotta do something with this whole like we got this this whole magic attack, you know, secret agents thing has to serve a purpose. Let's just have it serve the purpose of they were idiots and got duped, and now they're dead. I and now it's about uh, one boy and his his pure pure heart of purity. I, I just, I, I have like literally a bajillion questions that I don't need answers to, but it just, how are they the home office? How did they communicate with them? How are these things happening? How did the Lost Boys communicate through a realm enough to get two stooges? I, I just laughed going, I don't remember early in the episode. I was like, I don't remember Greg and Tamara doing a whole lot else. And <laughs> they were immediately unalived. I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> Got it. Oh, uh, I love, I love it when writers just go and done, <laughs> just boom, all finished. Well, this was actually a very big premiere uh, for Once Upon a Time. Uh, let me go ahead and double check those. It had about eight and a half million viewers. So, you know, not as big as like season two premiere, but it did bring things up from the end of uh, season two. So, you know, people were interested in seeing what was happening uh, with Neverland, this very dark turn for the series. It did have some alternate international titles. So we're taking yes. a brief return into international title land. Uh, in French, we had Il Suffit de Croire, which means just believe. Uh, we had uh, in Hungarian, I'm going to butcher this, just know I'm butchering it. Uh, Aki Alekjoben Hits, uh, which means anyone who believes the best. <laughs> anyone who believes the best <laughs> the best the best <laughs> but but my personal favorite is the german one which is wenn boss traum fliegen lernen which means when bad dreams learn to fly oh my god when bad dreams learn to fly sounds like a book i i would have written while i was really into edgar Allan poe <laughs> yes 
<laughs> oh no, that te- yeah, German German title, amazing, ten out of ten. Uh, I do like that. Yeah, they definitely took a darker turn, and I like that they rewarded this giant audience with a traumatic opening, so traumatic that I wanted to turn the show off. <laughs> it's like, what is this, and why is it happening? So I yeah, so I have a feeling like the the show going into season three is very much presenting a a strong metaphor, which is what does it mean to be a parent? Um, because in season one, it was about discovering who you are. Season two's metaphor was, I, I mean, it, I don't even think the show knew what. It, I think it was about like trauma and recovery mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and but it was about a lot of things. But like this one, they're very much presenting like, this is going to be the story of Emma embracing her identity as a mother and then what that does regarding Henry's relationship with Regina. I think it's going to be about both of them recognizing who they are. Because, like, in this episode, Henry is, like, talks about his two moms. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Matching man. <laughs> also, and we'll talk about it at the end. But, yeah, the I, I got that impression, too, with, like, Emma's last, like, line that she has on the beach there before they go storming into the jungle. Uh, I do think that they flubbed the line a little bit. I think it should have gone a little bit different. But we'll get there. Um but yeah, this this opening scene, uh, you and I talked about it. We, I also read the article that you sent me uh, because we were having some questions about um, giving birth while incarcerated. We did not find any answers we liked. Um, no, no. So, um, uh, yeah, because this this scene shows Emma giving birth to Henry in the hospital. And they they give us some visual cues to show that she is still being incarcerated. Uh, she has a guard who's posted inside. One of her legs is handcuffed to the to the stirrup. And and Abby and I were livid. We're like, this is this is gross. It I, it almost felt like a abusive ver- uh, visual representation to like sh- you know bad shorthand that mm-hmm. came to you know that was to the detriment of the characters and story. Uh, but it turns out as we read and we, we, you know, sought out some information that totally happens also with, with people who give birth while they're incarcerated. Yeah. Based on the stuff that we were reading, she got the good version of that because she had one yeah. posted guard. So, so not to, not to, to wash over that. We'll just say that there, there's a big problem that we can't tackle on that one, but, know that a lot of that stuff really happens to just real alive human beings who deserve a lot better. Not okay. Thank you. So what I will then just direct my ire to is to somebody that I can be mad at. And that's the doctor. (laughs) Emma has clearly already made the decision. She will give up this child to adoption and she does Mm. not want to bond with this child. Fine. That is a normal, that is a request. You don't, why would you have, you know, like your little kangaroo time, which is like skin to skin, all that fun stuff with a child that you are not going to have, like continue with. This doctor is just like, she like, she turns her head. She's like, no, I don't, I don't even want to look at him. Cause he, she knows the moment she looks at him, it's over. And the doctor's like, you can change your mind. You can change your mind. She's incarcerated, sir. You can change your mind. It will not change the fact that she will not see this child anymore. That child is going to go somewhere else. You don't raise the child in... what? Either way, she has made a decision. Stop it. <laughs> it was pretty disgusting. And much like the the whole, you know, incarcerated, uh, you know, delivery 
this is not outside the realm of possibility. Like this right. exact thing happens, especially in states that consider themselves to be pro-life, yep. um, where they they coerce people to carry their pregnancy to term under the guise that, oh, you can just give the baby up for adoption. You have that choice. And then when they actually deliver the child, a lot of times they're pressured to keep the baby for, you know, not, and, and it's, it's, it's a, I'm not going to go into the how or the why, because like, like you said, with the, with the incarcerated uh, pregnant people discussion, it's a whole big thing that we cannot unpack right now. And we shouldn't even try. Suffice to say, it's disgusting. And the scene was very visceral. And when I first saw it, I thought it was a gross misrepresentation that was irresponsible. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, actually, this this wasn't bad. It, it, it told it told a story in a very short scene that I don't think it necessarily intended to do. But it was very evocative. Yeah, and so I will. I'll, I'll upswing us out of here by just like a little bit of yes, random. Please, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, it's going to be like advice to swing us up and out. Just, just happy like as a mother advice. Uh, my favorite thing that I ever learned when I was going through like this, you know, learning about what you do when you're giving birth and things like that, because that's what you do when you're pregnant. You read about every single option mm-hmm. that could possibly happen. One of the best things, and and my husband and I did this, where it was, this is what my plan is. I don't want to stray from it. If I have to, I'm willing to, but I know that I'll say a lot of stuff that I may not mean because I, you know, if I was giving birth, um, we're going to call it the old fashioned way. That was my goal to give it without pain meds. Uh, cause I just wanted to see if I could ended up having a C-section, which was out of my control, but we were going to have a code word where if I said that code word, it meant that he could just, he would, he would run down the hallway and get me as many drugs as he could find. <laughs> I was going to, I was going <laughs> to complain and bitch until a certain point. And if I said like, you know whatever the code word was going to be. He was my advocate. He was the one of clear mind who was not in roiling pain or you know, delirious on whatever meds they were on to be able to speak for me. Mm-hmm. If you are not a person that's going to be giving birth or like, you know, somebody that would be like an advocate or just someone running for with ice chips. Like that's what, and Emma didn't have that. Obviously she was incarcerated and that is a, she was, the cards were stacked against her in a very serious way. But my advice Coming out of this scene, uh, for your real life experience, be an advocate for pregnant women. They they get pressured a lot. Pregnant people mm-hmm. they get pre- they get pressured to do things, and they're in a very yeah. vulnerable state. And so I can't even imagine. Uh, no, I'm not even talking about it anymore. I'm I'm upswinging this out of it. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about uh, anything else. Anyway, so anyway, everything's fine. <laughs> Yay! Uh, <laughs> now we're on a boat, and now we're on a boat. Oh, the boat scene is hilarious. Oh. I love the blue filter. There's, the blue filter, 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's, it's This is so much. It's so the, if I had to describe this whole scene with, with everyone on the boat, it's this is what happens when you don't think happy thoughts. <laughs> I, I, I got to wonder if this was like a play on that. Where it's like, oh, you know, in, in Neverland, it's normally think happy thoughts and they lift you up in the air. Well, what happens if you don't? You get waves. You get you dragged get to Davy Jones's locker. Um, <laughs> exactly. So I also really like this, and I think this is the way the entire like first twenty minutes of the episode were. Like I, one of my favorite tropes in TV, and it's not. I don't know if you would call it a trope, but it's when the writers do like a huge one eighty on characters or storylines, 
And so we all we obviously have that coming up with Henry and Greg and Tamara, uh, where they just do a hard stop and just just veer the other way. But like it was a we need to set everything up and everything into motion as hard and fast as we can. So this whole boat scene was just like a come to Jesus moment of everyone screaming their beliefs at each other. And then that's what we get when they get to the beach. It's a here's where everybody is. Snow's lost her mind with positivity. Charming is going to blindly support her and punch Hook in the face. Hook is just kind of attracted to Emma and Emma's busy working on her biceps and she's going to punch Peter Pan right in the face with them. And <laughs> Regina's Regina's trying to, Regina's upset about the word villain. So that's we've we've set up all these pieces. Uh basically we're on a boat, we're having a good time and they're trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, go save Henry. Rumple leaves immediately. <laughs> Rumple goes and he puts on his Rumple clothes and he just one. He's just like, "See you later. I'm out. I'm outie. Bye." I did actually really like this scene uh, where where Gold just like trashes Emma for just like you've you've been with Magic for what a year now. Like I don't know how long you've been in Storybrooke. You've seen some weird shit. You fought a dragon, but you're still the Bales Bonds person. You still, you do not, you do not have the heart of the truest believer. So you're going to lose. I got to peace out. Bye-bye. I got my own thing to do. Um, we, I glossed over one point that, that just obviously we, we kind of missed in the first very traumatizing scene, but, uh, Emma's magic comes into play while she gives birth because she blows out the lights in the hospital and no one reacts to it. <laughs> like he's trying to hand her a baby in like pitch darkness because there are no lights, but they're just like, yeah, it happens. Women scream so loud. All of the bulbs in the operating room break. It happens. So Emma's magic is obviously being shown to be powerful enough to work in a land with no magic. Anyway. Yes. You're, you're just a Bale's bondsman. And it's just like she's just sitting there all pissed off. So I she's need, like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go work on my my bus. I'm gonna go rep this out in the hall where there's just <laughs> conveniently this pull-up bar. And she does a bunch of them. Her arms are amazing in this whole thing. And I love that like Hook comes down. He's just like, I'm gonna mourn with you about this guy who I knew when he was a kid, and he was on my boat for 16 minutes. Yeah, I'm bonding with her. This is great. It's just the smoothest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. They figured out Hook's character between season two and three, and I'm living for it. Oh, he's like, I had this sword. Let's get drunk. To kneel. Let's go. It's like, and then he admits it later. He's just like, no, I, I actually quite fancy you if you're not screaming at me. Like, he's just, I love Hook's character so much. He's just yeah. a pirate. It's, I feel like Hook is is the character the writers want to write the most. Yes. Because he's not, he's carefree. He is not limited by the, 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 he's not limited by what the writers have, the box, the corners that the writers have put the different characters into. Like this episode is just a bunch of boxes, yep. character boxes, like what you were describing with Snow and Regina and Charming. Hook is in a box but he's aware he's in the box and he's fine with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I imagine that getting to write for him is a treat when, when you have, when you're getting bogged down by all these characters that are just have so much. And he's just like, eh, whatever. I think you're hot. 
Yeah. No, he cool. he he is absolutely living in his box. He has put up decor. He is very comfortable there. He has forwarded all of his mail there. Uh, this is where he is. He knows what he wants. I don't think he ever takes off the trench coat like from this point forward. He does not have different wardrobe. It's just varying coats and hooks. Um, yeah, so he comes down. He he kind of bonds with Emma a little bit over the death of Neil, who he knew as Balefire. Gave her a sword. And I like that it was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm training for a fight. Emma, not even a little bit. Would a couple of pull-ups two days before help you in a fight? Unless the fight is against a pull-up bar. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so anyway, there's that scene. Um, that's when they're like, they're like down there getting drunk. And Hook's like, maybe if we do another shot. Hmm. Maybe <laughs> I can do the old put my arm around her. This would be so good. And then thunk, thunk. Oh, no. What is it? Well, obviously, Beth, what is happening is a pod of mermaids have decided to come and go tub thumping against the side of the Jolly Roger. Those ladies had some fins because it was, they were like doing some thunderclaps on the side of that boat, like damaging it to the point where it was going to lose. And it was taking on water. I love how they just name drop a bunch of giant creatures at one point. I think Charmy's like, is it a Kraken? Yeah. What could it be? Is it a shark? Is it a whale? Is it a Kraken? It's like, it's Superman. Like, what are you talking about? It's just how many. No, it's women, it's women with seashell bras. It's women with the. Dude, that, that lady looked amazing. Like, they. Okay, so hold on. We'll get there. So they're like, what are we going to do? And they start fighting with each other a little bit. But Charmy's like, I'm going to go fishing. So he like gets a harpoon gun. They kind of try to help. I had a hard time tracking this quite honestly, but basically they catch one and then Regina finally decides to use her fireball magic and that somehow scares away the mermaids, but they do now have one on board and that's where everything starts to fall apart because Snow and Regina start having this battle of character flaws and neither one of them is right. But Regina just, it's its easier to be like, I'm not going to kill her. I'm going to turn her into wood. Like one's passive, one's an action. Like you, can, you can't stop her with no, yeah. please let, let her live. So they just start fighting and Regina turns the mermaid into wood because she's not telling her anything. But right before she does that, she has the magic conch and she blows it into the sky and summons a, 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 a mood storm. Ooh. Well, do you think the mood, do you think she summoned the mood storm or was it like, I know she said like, oh yeah, I'm summoning a storm, but it was already storming. I think it was one of those she was summoning, like maybe getting the water choppy or something, because she even does say you'll kill each other. Cause it's just like, you won't kill me. You'll kill each other. Like she knows what she's, she's channeling something. Whether it was just the water or the the lightning or whatever, but she was def she definitely did it with the intention of just like digging down on their deepest insecurities, which hook line and sinker, young lady. Uh, <laughs> because Char uh, Snow, <laughs> Snow and Regina start fighting, just screaming at each other, absolutely screaming. Charming, Charming goes up. And is like trying to be like, we got to stop them. And Hook calls them slags. And Charming takes a swing at him. And now suddenly they're in, they're engaged in fisticuffs. And Emma's the only one that understands that every time they like 
throw a haymaker, lightning strikes, and makes the storm worse. So she does the only logical thing she can do. Swan dives off the ship. So they all are now concerned about her safety. And then she gets beamed in the head uh, by a hook, uh, like a, uh, the, the thing, a big, a thing. She gets beamed in the head by a big thing. Well, I do want to also make a note that before Emma starts realizing what's happening, she gets caught up in it too. She gets caught up in the storm. Specifically, she fights with her parents where they are, because they're talking, you know, they're feeling like shit for, uh, for, you know, having to come save Henry and, 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 and they're being like, don't, don't blame, don't blame yourself for losing Henry and losing Neil. And she's like, no, I blame you guys. Because your positivity sucks, and I hate it, she's and I hate wrong. you. She's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. <laughs> like, Mary Margaret and David are insufferable in this episode. I cannot stand them in this episode. It feels almost counterproductive. Their their relentless positivity feels like them playing into a trope that they they long abandoned like this isn't this is not them no this is not who they are now this is this is and i've learned this there's a there's a there's an internet term for this toxic positivity where you are just trying to relentlessly cram positivity in where you don't need it like that's not it's not mm-hmm. good mental health it's not good coping mechanisms and it's not good strategy moving forward like just because you were like wow i think this failed that's not negativity that's sometimes just an observation. <laughs> or, hey, this sucks. Not negativity, just an observation. Because guess what, guys? It does suck. Your grandchild was kidnapped by two strangers brought to Neverland where you know things are not okay. Uh, your daughter's uh, baby daddy, for lack of a better term, was killed and she's clearly mourning about it. And you're just like, it's fine. It's fine. And you can see it. This is this is where our conversation about like them not acknowledging enough about the mental health stuff because that's where snow's mental health should have been questioned of her being like because if i stop and think about how bad it is i'm gonna fall apart it's like that's not healthy snow snow that's not okay that's not a that's not how you look at life you can't just be up here in fear of what's deep down like that's it's avoidance i've played that game before it never ends well Uh, but yeah, so she she does manage to sacrifice herself to get everyone to shut up for a minute and work together. and But the ship gets destroyed and they all find themselves on the beach in Neverland. But as Emma says, the plan is still happening uh, because, damn it, uh, follow my lead and shut up. Yeah, this is this is the part where there could be a conversation about like gray area stuff where it's just like it's not good. It's mm-hmm. not good. It's not bad. I'm going to get my... And Regina sets her up for this wonderful line that doesn't pass. And I'm mad about it because she says, all right, well, what's your superpower? And she says, I'm a mother. The next line is supposed to be, and I'm pissed off. That's the line. That's the mama bear line. It's just like, what's your superpower? I'm a mom and I'm furious. Like, that's terrifying. Fireballs, don't never heard of them. Pissed off mom, terrifying. Uh, pissed off mom with a missing kid. But they also don't acknowledge Regina's motherness in this no. scene, which I don't care for. Uh, but yes, that's the line that I was saying before that he missed. I just wish it was that. Well, what's your superpower? I'm a mom and I'm pissed. Uh, because she like dresses everybody down. She's like, because I'm your leader now. Charming looks so proud. <laughs> it's like, that's my little girl. <laughs> just taking charge when no one asked her to. I love her. <laughs> that's my little girl. She gets that from me. 
Oh, so they charge into Neverland, uh, sight unseen. Just let, let's go. If they would have just looked like up and to the left, they'd see two tiny preteen boys covered in green pixie dust. But we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we will. We will get there. But first, we are going to take a side trip into the enchanted forest um, because Neil is not dead. He actually has woken up. Uh, in, in the Enchanted Forest, uh, he is in the company of Aurora, Prince Philip, and Mulan. Uh, this is shortly after, uh, Prince Philip was, was rescued from the clutches of the Shriek. And, uh, God, God bless him. Aurora's hair is just garbage and I hate it. I'm sorry. The just... lighting was hitting it in a strange way and it was just like, you could tell how thin it was. Like, not, like, in yeah. a, like, and it's, it's not a problem. It was just, you could tell that they teased it up more than it was supposed to be it just it naturally wasn't going to go there but whatever uh and i loved this whole interaction because it was just so casually neil saying things that no one understood um and i think prince philip is probably my favorite one to receive any of that because he just looked so confused constantly but he didn't say anything (laughs) he was just like because so he wakes up so neil wakes up he's like where am i they, they get the gist that he knows Emma and that he's clearly not wearing clothes from this world. So they have like a lot of questions. <laughs> Mulan's like, um, he's awake, which means I can give him the third degree. Welcome. And they kind of figure out, okay, well, he's not a bad guy, but he does know Emma and he knows Henry and he's trying to find some stuff. And, and he tries to get up and Phillips is like, no, you, you took an, a, some sort of strange arrow shot. And Neil's just like, yeah, a 22 caliber or 45 caliber, you know, arrow. And Prince Philip was just like, hmm, hmm. Like, he's just, <laughs> ah, yes, I know what that is. What is that? Like, he just looked like just agreeing but confused. Um, he, he, he has himbo energy. I love his himbo energy so much. Uh, so they decide, they're, he, <laughs> Neil's just like, let's go. I, Neil looked great in this episode, by the way. Like, he, he just looked very, like, I don't know. It's something about either how he was lit or something, but he looks very different from how he did in season two. And I was just like, I like the outfit and his, like, New Yorker thing going on. Like, I'm wearing 14 layers and a messenger bag. Let's party. <laughs> and, uh, like, so he tries to explain to Mulan, because uh, I loved this exchange and this, like, the callback of the joke, but he was trying to explain to Mulan that, oh, yeah, people in the world where I'm from, uh, or I came from, they, they, they think that we're fairy tales. They think we're stories. They make movies about us. Mulan's like, ah, what's a movie? And then like 10 minutes later, they're walking through the thing. Mulan's like, I've got another question. He's like, listen, I'm not going to explain to you what a movie is. That's the joke. Those set up for jokes are my once upon a time favorite thing in the world. The way those work. I just love them. Anyway, they decide there's a whole thing with Aurora and she's just like, Oh yeah, I know I can, I can, I can walk through the dream world. And I love that the way they, they just powered through the lines of just like, this is a, just a plot piece that we're going to use and just not really talk about. But if I see Emma or Henry from the sleeping curse, red room of fire, I'll say something. Ta-da, it's fine. I just love how, how Aurora's main contribution is just, I'll fall asleep and see if I see some people. Listen, that that is like my dream like <laughs> funny terms that is like my dream D role be like i am a druid but i'm only powerful when i am asleep <laughs> i can only do these <laughs> just, things when i sleep just leave me alone and give me cool side missions mm-hmm. in, in the other room i'm only uh, helpful yeah. when i am so, asleep 
Uh, so, yeah, Neil says that, um, you know, he thinks that Rumpel would have left something behind in case he'd gotten trapped in the Enchanted Forest because, you know, we, you know, on one hand, yes, we always have to have that deus ex machina that's going to save the situation. But on the other hand, it is Rumpel. So, yeah, he would have that. That does line up. Uh, it tracks. And and I do, I, I like Neil's both, like, just casual understanding of how the Enchanted Forest works while also having this slight disdain for the fact that he knows how it works. Yeah. He's just like, he he just slides right back in. He knows how to work this world. Like when he has the staff and he, he like does the weird weapon twirl with it. Uh, <laughs> just from nowhere. Uh, so I also do like his line that he has with Mulan because Mulan's just like, so... I was about to text you while I was watching the episode because Mulan says a line and all I thought was, why is she such a messy bitch? Because she runs up to Neil. She's like, hey, Emma was here for like four days and said nothing about you. Actually, flirted with a pirate. What's happening? I've never heard of you. Like, like you're the worst friend in the world, Mulan. What are you doing? And he's like, nah, she didn't. I don't think at that point she even knew Neil was alive. But she was like, nah, I screwed it up. I was too afraid of getting hurt. So I didn't tell her that I loved her because I was more afraid of what would happen than not telling her. And I regretted, like, it was this very deep moment in Mulan. Hmm. Interesting. Let's just put that away yeah. for later, apparently. Yeah, N- N- Mulan's going to keep keep that in the back pocket. Yeah, uh, probably for, forever. For one person, and then another person. <laughs> and then ah. another, another person. So then they Mulan, go, Mulan gets around. So they go to uh, Rumpel's castle, and it's covered in cobwebs. Mm-hmm. That's how you know that it's been a long time. And... I love Neil's like walking around. And he's just like, "Ooh, a wine cup sticks finger in tastes. Mm, this doesn't taste rancid. Someone's been here. <laughs> Someone lives here. Uh, and this is when we find not Tom Ellis, uh, Robin Hood. Nope. This is our, our, this is our new and improved Sean McGuire, uh, Robin Hood, who will play Robin Hood for the rest of the series. Uh, and in a fun little trivia fact, uh, apparently, um, dur- when he was like getting ready to shoot his first scene, uh, so I, I'm just gonna read it. Sean McGuire admitted to a publicity photographer that he did not know how to use a bow and arrow, but coincidentally, the photographer was practicing archery and taught him how to use a bow and arrow right before shooting his first scene. She's <laughs> like, "Hey, All I'm right. doing this for fun. I like it. Oh uh, yeah. I could you?" It- could you imagine how much we would have dunked on him if he was been like holding the bow all weird? Because I would have, one hundred percent, I would have. Uh, but he he has the bow all out, and then like he jumps down, so he puts the, the he he untwangs it, and he like jumps down out of the the window, and then he pulls it back, and it was just like, hello, greetings, I am Neil. He's like, I would bow, but my arrow is very is notched very tightly, and I'm just like, okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. And this is a weird, this scene is a little bit weird um, because Robin Hood decides to gloss over the fact that Rumpel tortured him to remember the one time he didn't murder him and be like, I owe him a debt. No, you don't mm. owe him a debt. You were kept away from your 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 pregnant dying wife because of Rumpel. Like, no, I, I consider it a wash. Yeah, yeah. But- yeah, he's just like, no, we had a little bit of a disagreement, but we parted ways, and I, you know, I owe him a debt. Oh, okay. And he's just like, how do I know you are who you say you are? And he's like, oh, because I'm uh, Rumpelstiltskin's kid. 
He's like, oh, that's got to be true. No one would say that. Damn. No one uh, would admit that. <laughs> and I do love that Neil, where he's just like, oh, well, I owe Rumple a favor. I owe him something. And Neil's like, got it. I'm on it. I take it. It's mine now. It's, it's a blood oath. I own it now. So I'm going to take it. Uh, anyway, picks up a walking stick that's just been like laying on the ground and just like does this crazy whip thing with it. And <laughs> it. I just because of how he was dressed, I think if he would have been wearing literally anything else, like something more of the world, it wouldn't have looked so ridiculous, but it definitely had like guy tries to impress girl at Renaissance fair while dressed completely in normal people clothing. Like it just had to oh, check what I can do. Me, 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 me. And it uh, opens up a secret portal. Robin's line of just like, um, excuse me. I've handled that walking stick a thousand times and it never did anything. Robin, it was on the floor. Like, did you just put it back on the floor? Like, I'm just going to put it right back here on the floor. <laughs> he threw it in a bit of a bout of frustration. He's, He's just like, hey, I can't get the stick to do anything except be a stick. I also like the idea of, like, him just running around with the stick, just pretending to sword fight no one. Just, like, that's what he's doing in Rumpel's castle. He's just there playing castle. <laughs> he has no idea how to use a sword. He can only use a bow, and he just really wants to be melee and not a ranger. Like, his dream was always to be a barbarian. But no, sadly, a ranger his life will be. Anyway, opens up a secret thing. Here's all this stuff. Hey, look, a snow globe. Mulan's the one that somehow knows how to work it. She's like, no, don't think about where. Think about Emma and how she makes you feel. Okay. Well, I mean, I know in an earlier scene, Neil had mentioned that he mentioned very offhandedly how portals work, which is... I... uh, I love it. The, so the power the power of intent. You just think about the portal land you love the most and it'll send you there. So I'm kind of wondering if she was taking that same logic and applying it here. Okay. Not that it would have worked, but in my opinion, it worked a little too quickly. Yeah. Like, she's like, just think about Emma. And then it instantly, like instant success. Okay. Also, first of all, yeah, the line about randomly how portals work, I forgot about that. That was definitely one of the early 20 minutes of just like powering through exposition to let you know what's going on. Just like, this is how portals mm-hmm. work. This is what's going on. This is where they're at. This is why it happened. Because uh, we have... <laughs> but like he sees Emma and like what they show us, I have absolutely no idea how Neil made the conclusion that she was in Neverland. It's mostly her face. It's like her face and her hair and then like a little bit behind her. Clearly not Storybrooke, but I can't imagine there's not another realm with like a vague jungle theme. Like it's not like she was, there was like lost boys flying above or something. I mean, there might have been, but. I I swear if I had a dollar for every time someone mentions the fact that a person is in Neverland and Neverland is not a normal place. I would have a lot of money because they do that a lot in this episode. It's, I swear. I I hear from every single character that every other character is in Neverland at this point. Also, apparently uh, Neverland is like the nexus of magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love that there's like a, like a welcome to Neverland. You ain't seen shit yet. Like, it's just like a, like their whole like vacation campaign to get people to come here was just like we're weird and odd like everything's weird it's not what you think also there's mermaids let's go so he's like we gotta I go mean, to it's, neverland that kind of drags it's very emo neverland is extremely emo i love it i love it it's, it's very extra it's extra uh, and emo i love it well let's go ahead and um uh, 
you know, go into uh, what Henry has been up to um, with Greg and Tamara, or as I like to call them, the the Play Stupid Games Win Stupid Prizes group. Oh, we were so close to cult conversations in this, and then it ended, so we couldn't get there. Uh, before we start, I do want to preface with one thing, is that, so, it, you know, the, the way that Greg and Tamara go out is just it's really bad and I've, I I don't like it, but there is kind of an off camera reason for it too. Uh, Sinequa Martin Green had to go into The Walking Dead and so she had a scheduling oh. conflict. So they basically had to write her off the show. Uh, does that excuse how they did it? No. And does it excuse how poorly they treated her up until this point? No. Like, the the show did her dirty and, and, did, and did Ethan Embry dirty. Like, the the this whole storyline was just so muffed up because like they they arrive in Neverland on the beach and Greg and Tamara instantly know that what what Neverland is they're like they're this like this is our plan all along was to bring you into Neverland all right let's use our our communicators <laughs> that are filled with sand oh no the plot has changed. Oh, we were doomed. We were doomed. How could it have possibly happened? We blindly trusted no one. What happened? How could this have happened to us? God, this and every single moment is just worse than the last with these guys. You have you have Henry just being a sassy bitch. I oh god, Henry Henry rules in this episode for most of it. Yeah, he's just like, are you, at one point, he just like they're they're building a signal fire because they're 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 now freaking out because they can't get home. He's like, are you making s'mores? We're making s'mores. Is it it's a like, kind no, of a small? No, fire. kid, they're gonna die. <laughs> like they did not bring snacks or any sort of anything. But I, yeah, I, I I enjoyed Henry's like just like it's kind of a small fire. Boo! <laughs> just like I like that's that's the that's the captive I would I would just hope to be just just to sit around just dunking on your captors. <laughs> I mean, it does get under their skin. It is effective. Well, he yeah, um, they're mad about it because it pushes their belief. I do like that Greg is a lot more hardened in his belief. Like at no point does he back down from it. But like tomorrow questions it immediately. Like he gets in her head mm-hmm. immediately. Ethan Emery is, or Greg is just like, nope, I believe, I believe this 17 year old's about to come out of a bush and I'm going to believe this is my boss. There he is. Believes it. Hook, line, and sinker the whole time. Yeah. So the lost boys, the lost teens come out of the woodwork and, and they're just like, hey, grownups, psych. Gotcha. It's us, the home office, expecting suit and ties. Like, it was just so, oh, like, they were just short of being, like, 1950s greasers. Just like, hey, hey. Like, I loved this reveal because they, I love this character. Does this character have a name, this lost boy? Does he have a name? Because he is just extra as hell this whole episode. Uh, his name is Felix, mm. um, but you'd never know because who would ever call him Felix? No that is one. not a good name. No one would call him that to his face. He probably has like a cool nickname that he makes everyone call him, like Jawbone. Rufio! Rufio! Uh, yeah, so uh, Greg and Tamara learned that uh, their whole their whole plan was a sham. Uh, ne- it was never to destroy magic. Uh, what what are they talking about? 
what's wrong with you? You guys are you guys are idiots. Um, and you're gonna die. So here comes a shadow. Uh, to rip Greg's shadow from his body and presumably just kill him. And then tomorrow gets shot in the back with an arrow with a 45 caliber arrow. I like the idea that there's a lot of very like crazy ways to kill a person. Like you can just rip their heart out of their chest, show it to them and then crush it into dust. Or you could full on rip their shadow from their body and question mark their soul and that's how they like where did he take the shadow is this gonna go somewhere i got why didn't they do that to tamara so many questions uh yeah 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 the thing i the question i have and the only the only answer is because they didn't have this part of the story written yet and so they had to change course like if you think about the the sequence of the show it makes no sense for Greg and Tamara to be the ones bringing Henry to the to Neverland when there is a shadow person that can cross realms and just get him himself. Yep. Like there's no explanation for this other than well, you know, we already had Greg and Tamara in the show. We have to do something with them. They have to serve some kind of purpose. Oh, well they're going now. The home office is now Neverland. They wanted to tie the stories together. But it makes, like, this seems like a lot of work on the part of the Lost Boys. Uh, were they just bored? Were they just like, I, you know, we, I, I want to fuck with these two adults. Yay us. We did it. I I just, I also have questions about how they were communicating. Like, how mm-hmm. did any of this communication happen? Because they obviously don't ever explain it. But I do like that they're like, we're making a signal fire to, to let the home office know that we're here. Again. Please let me know how you were communicating if this is your plan. If you think building a fire... Like, were they doing some sort of, like, weird ritualistic magic to, like, talk between realms? Was the shadow coming over there and doing weird stuff and writing notes? How sentient is this shadow? Questions. So many questions. But it, again, leads credence to the theory that we talked about either one or two episodes ago about it would have been better uh, for the person that gets Henry to Neverland to be a random lost boy that befriends mm-hmm. him and tricks him. Um, that would have been a lot better than two grown-ass adults getting duped by a bunch of teenagers who were on the phone. <laughs> no, Felix, 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 do your adult voice. Oh, uh, hello, this is the home office. <laughs> we have very important... <laughs> we have very important magic-destroying things to do. We will send you walkie-talkies that are definitely not full of sand. Why'd you end up where? I don't want to talk oh. about it. Anyway, bye. Click. <laughs> Oh, 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 so can you get us a pizza? Yeah. Extra, yeah. Oh, we need $20. Have a pineapple. There's just someone in the back asking for, asking for $20. We need pizza. $30. We need Cokes. Cokes. Diet Cokes. And a Mountain Dew for Greg. <laughs> no, Greg's the name of the guy. Eyes all fell apart. <laughs> well, we don't have a lost boy tricking Henry to come to Neverland, but we do have a lost boy tricking him while he's in Neverland because Henry manages to escape uh, with the help of Tamara, uh, which because you know, she's, she's immediately like, uh, well, this all blew up in my face. So I'm going to try and do a little bit of good before I die. Um, and so he escapes, he's running through the woods. He's being chased by the lost boys and he runs into a lost boy, an unnamed lost boy, which means obviously it could be anybody legit. It could be anybody. Telling the truth. Just a rando. It could be, could be any rando any rando kid uh so he has he has pixie dust that he allegedly stole from pan and he's trying to escape and so they just just run 
together, like, oh, we're going to find a place to hide. And then that's it. Like, they're not really thinking ahead, but they can't really think ahead. And so while they're escaping, uh, Rumple is hot on the trail and he comes across Tamara, questions her, um, temporarily healing her and questioning her about what Henry is and what the whole thing is. And she's just like, this whole scene was very weird. It's a bad um, scene. This just doesn't It's really bad. And, and, and Seneca Martin Green can do way better than this. This yes. was entirely a direction problem. Yes. I mean, I, the writing wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. I think this was a direction problem. I think yeah, she was just the, not directed well in this the, scene. The, yeah, it wasn't directed well. And it also, like, I just, it wasn't the bad writing. It was just the bad angle they took on the story, I think, was what made it seem weird and forced. It's how, like, when you mm-hmm. when you told me, oh, yeah, she needed an out because she had another project, that suddenly made a lot more sense. Like, they, they didn't work on it enough. Like, they wanted to give her, they're like, oh, well, she's going to go off and be amazing. So we need to give her a cool, awesome last send-off so that when they're like, wow, Walking Dead star, da 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 they can look back at one stop time and be like, wow, she died so well. Um, because, yeah, her, like, line of just being like, can you ever forgive me about Neil? No, that's not a thing. You would never say that to him. Not even a little bit. And he's like, no. Takes her out of crushes. And she looks genuinely shocked. I don't know why. And there's one thing I do want to point out that it's it's so inconsequential in the long run, but hey, if inconsequential in the long run is probably the subtitle of our podcast, <laughs> um, is that like when Rumple heals her with magic, she just says, thank you. Like at n- no conflict about being healed by the very thing she has hated for years, if not decades. Uh, and that to me wasn't a conscious choice it was an omission like they they this this whole scene was just so poorly put together and and not well thought out for any of the characters except rumple rumple you know rumple do rumple uh felix shows up and 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 rumple is just like look uh i'm a man on a vengeance quest i got nothing to lose i'm gonna die i'm gonna take you all with me let's do this hi i'm an ancient being i'm here to murder a bunch of teenagers let's go uh but that teenager so sassy he is so sassy he brings the dark one to his literal knees felix is my all-time favorite character right now i love this oh dude yeah felix felix does the shit he's just like oh yeah pen got you a gift and it's like this this doll thing it's a straw doll and Rumple just breaks down, and then Felix laughs his ass off at him. He, he it like was, it was kneels, a lot. He like kneels down in front of him. He's like, mm, "Interesting, isn't it weird that some things still drive us to tears?" Like Rumple is having a full on panic attack about the thing that he's holding in his hand, just like existential crisis going on. This kid is just like, "Oh no!" She's like bullying him. I love, like, oh, yeah. in any other scenario, this kid would be dead immediately, but, like, Rumple is so incapacitated in a way I've never seen before because of, because teenagers are terrifying. They're terrifying, and they will, this, that's the entire plot of Neverland. <laughs> teenagers will find you and murder you from the inside out, and they will insult your eyebrows on the way down. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. God, God forbid the day that the uh, Lost Boys of Neverland discover TikTok. Oh, yeah. No, it's all over. It'd be all over once that happened. <laughs> uh, so, and we, the final thing that we have is a Henry and the the lost boy 
they are trying to find these caves where they won't be discovered. Uh, but oh no, they can't. They are stuck on a cliff. But luckily, Henry's got pixie dust plus a heart that is believing very truly at this moment. So he's just... <laughs> So we get another horrible Neverland-connected magic flying scene. They can never do any of these well. This one, I'd argue, is almost worse because they're floating by themselves, but with Henry, you could see the apparatus through his coat. Yep. Like, the, the flying apparatus. And it was... I was I was, I was losing my mind. It was so bad. Well, they kept doing like little fluttering shots between them. Like it was just like, we're doing it. We're happening. It's okay. Like Pan is very conspicuously higher than Henry is. So like it's a whole thing. Like clearly that's a tell. But anyway, they land. I love that they land um, in a barrel roll. Like they <laughs> both like tuck their shoulder and go. I love it. And... Lo and behold, this is where everything changes in a way that no one expected. Oh, no. Because it turns out that this lost boy is not just a lost boy. He is the lost boy. He is Peter Pan, and he has been looking for a boy just like Henry. Uh, and and then the, the, the lost boys all surround him, and he gets that final line of, let's play, and then boom, end credits. Um, so... I, I want to close out by talking about um, the actor who plays uh, who who plays Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. uh, this was his first episode. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, hold on, hold on. Uncredited, unknown baby is Henry Mills. Nice. That just made me laugh. Um, okay, Peter Pan. Where is? Oh my God! Why can't I find Peter Pan in here? That's so weird. Um, anyway. So, uh, I'll just look him up while I'm talking about him. Uh, once upon a time, Peter Pan actor. Um, I remember when I first saw the show, I was, I was indifferent about him. Um, but in this episode, even though he was introduced in the most cliched way, I see it now. I totally get it. And I, Robbie Kay, that's who plays him. And he was 18 at the time when he started the role. So, so two things. One, I, th I don't remember if I mentioned this on the recap episode, but uh, for whatever reason, in my brain, I w replaced that actor with the kid from Love Actually slash Game of Thrones. <laughs> if you know who I'm talking about, like the, the kid that's also like, I think he was also in the, the Queen's Gambit recently. Doesn't matter. Oh yeah, I know who you're, I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about. I was about. just like, that's why if, if you listen like back a couple episodes, I make kind of a joke about just like definitely not an actor we've all definitely seen before because I was mistaking it for him. Uh, but this kid, there's only one part of it that I didn't really care for. Uh, he stops doing it after a couple of lines, but he like when he switches to Pan, he makes a very clear facial shift to doing like the Kubrick stare where he like tilts his head down and stares through his eyebrows. Mm -hmm. That didn't work for me. But, like, his whole demeanor, especially in the let's play part, like, it shifts from what it was before. He actually looks like he gets, like, four inches taller, too, which is crazy, mm -hmm. uh, when he reveals himself to be Pan. I like this. I didn't like his little Kubrick stare. I didn't care for that much. But I did like the reveal. I liked how he was playing, like, how he was with Henry. I've never really had too much of a problem with Pan. I just remember not liking how the... I'm going to go on record and say I remember less about season three than I did about season two. <laughs> Just 
So yeah. I remember what it was. I can't wait till I figure out what it was that made me just go, ugh. But I like this. I enjoyed it. I get it. I see this as Pan and I enjoy the fact. I can't wait to watch Pan and Felix interact because how does that dynamic work? Please tell me. Yeah, I just, I, I found myself, um, I mean, this is a very common, you know, storytelling trope. The the bad guy secretly, you know, it, it pretends to be an ally until the moment he can finally reveal himself. Uh, we saw it in Game of Thrones, um, which was probably the the most, you know, most evocative version of that. We even saw it in Charmed with uh, Abigail, like her first reveal where she was kidnapped. She was kidnapped, but she also was hiding who she really was from the Charmed ones. Um, this one, I think, is kind of average on the scale. Like, we all know it was coming. We all knew he was Pan, but we also were, I was still intrigued to see when that reveal would happen and how it would, how it would shape out. Um, I like the actor. I think he's very engaging. Um, I, he looks both young and old at the same time. Yep. Like he has, he has this really weird eternal, eternal look. Uh, and also like he, I, I was kind of reading his, his biography a little bit. Like his mom is a midwife and his father is a sailor. And I'm just like, that's like the coolest origin story ever. I love that. That's the kind of thing you did. Just, just like you crush it at icebreaker games. Uh, but yeah, no, he's definitely that kind of kid that goes to those like carnivals where they play guess your age and he just cleans up. It's like, they either think that yeah. he's 12 or 40. Um, but yeah, no, he, he does a great job. He's a good cast for pan. I do like the idea that the lost boys are not boys, but they are like teenagers. Like I, I like, I don't know. I, I always did kind of like that because it always like in the, like the movie, like hook and stuff, like all the kids were like young, young. And that's okay, I guess. But I, I like the idea that they're like more lost teenagers because you're more likely to be lost as a teenage boy than you are maybe as a little, little kid. And I know a big part of that is because they, you know, they want to limit how many child actors they have because, Which, yeah. you, you know, you know, because you, you want to have, if you have 18 plus, then you don't have to follow with child labor laws. And, you know, it's, it's, that's a whole, that's right. why a lot of high school shows cast actors in their 20s and that's why we've gotten used to that because you know of acting labor laws but narratively it does also make sense yeah. like you have a really good point like it's it serves it serves more than one purpose and it also turns the lost boys into those like those bullies like these are these aren't just boys having fun these are legitimate terrors who have a lot of pent-up aggression and a lot of hormones they don't know what to do with so they're using them on being assholes i listen i would 100 i 100% believe an entire, like, I don't even know what you would call a grouping of, like, 14 to 17-year-old teenage boys. Like, just, I don't know, borderline and eldritch terror. Uh, just start picking a fight with a bunch of pirates. Like, that makes so much sense to me. Just like, who are we going to fight? We're going to fight those jerks on that boat. Like, that makes so much more sense to me. And the idea that that Hook hates it. Like, no, I can't come back here. There's just a, like a high school gone wild and I, I cannot listen to them mock my coat anymore. My coat rules. <laughs> they keep saying it doesn't, but it totally does. <laughs> I've got good fashion, okay? I know. I know it's not what they like. And I know that they said skinny jeans are out, but I'm going to keep wearing them because they look good on me, man. 
And guys, that was season three, episode one, The Heart of the Truest Believer. Um, as far as season premieres, I mean, they were really trying to hammer in, like, hammer it down our throats. This is not the Once Upon a Time that you know from seasons past. This is darker. This is going to be more violent. Neverland is a darker, dark, darkness place of darkness. Not your mother's Once Upon and a Time. It's not your mother's Once Upon a Time. Um, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, like, it's fine. I'm not... I don't have a problem with it, but I'm also not thrilled about it either. Um, you know, I, you know, it's like, I am curious to see how it, how it shapes out because like you, Abby, I barely remember anything. Like I remember Tinkerbell being, uh, I remember the actress who plays Tinkerbell being also on like that zombie, I zombie mm-hmm. moot show. Uh, I think I remember Regina like meeting up with Tinkerbell at one point uh, I remember bits and pieces, little, little snippets, and I'm curious to see, uh, what they turn into, um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so, uh, I'm curious what, what you thought. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm with you on the part where it's like, I get that it's darker, and I love dark. Like, I'm, I love darkness, darkness, uh, and I like turning things dark, but, like, and maybe, Maybe at the time it might have been a bit more evocative, but I like I'm so like worn out on dark fairy tales. What if the fairy tale characters that you know had a dark side? It's like I they were kind of dark to start with, man. Like I sure. And Peter Pan's always been kind of a terrifying story in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um so like so it makes sense that that's what they're gonna go with. Um but it also did have, speaking of charmed, it did have a season one to season two vibe where it was like, okay, just we're sorry about uh, the last season. We're we're different writers and we're going to do something completely different. So hold on for a couple of minutes while we just undo everything we can and we just sort of deal with what we have placed and just go this different direction and never talk about what happened behind us. Uh which is what Charm did. This was a little less severe. Like they didn't end up having to portal their entire house to an entire different location to make it invisible. And no one ever talked about it again, but it's fine. It's fine. It's different. Uh, (laughs) I just had a flashback. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, like I like this. This was a lot of fun. I, I, I do like some of the reveals that they do in this because again, it was a reveal that even you and I forgot about halfway through last season. So, you know, it's, right. it's, I'm I'm excited to see how that gets dropped and how all of this stuff gets laid out. Um, like the actors, like what turns are going to do, but you know, again, it's still once upon a time. So we're going to see a lot of dropped balls and missed uh, storylines. Um, and don't worry guys, the, the ladies who tavern will pick up the pieces. It's just going to be fine. And they will, and perhaps Felix on the phone, just pretending to be an adult. Like <laughs> my- ordering, ordering pizzas, <laughs> ordering pizzas for, for, uh, for Mr. Butts. Mr. C- Seymour <laughs> C- 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 Butts. Butts. And punked. Ten and got, ten him. In. got him. They found out about the show Punked and they steal Ashton Kutcher. Like, that's good as rules. <laughs> I would like to say, and I know we're going to do like Patreon and stuff uh, here in a second, but I would like to say uh, the amazing, overwhelming response from Beth and I is dropping all of our big life news on the season two recap. A uh, lot of support got thrown my way on Twitter. Meant a lot Aww. to me, guys meant a lot to me uh people and people had had you lumped in there too where it was just like we're so excited for all the stuff that you guys are going through people have been following us for a very long time means the world i thank you guys you guys are the best 
the best. You guys are amazing. And we want to thank all of our patrons. And of course, if you are interested in becoming a patron yourself, you get access, early access to episodes. Uh, you can get bonus content, which we'll be uh, filming later on this week. And you get a special shout out. And I want to shout out our wonderful Snow Queen patrons. That's going to be Daisha Thompson, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcalt, Philip Korn, Samantha Hosel, Brian Sanina, Lisa Slack, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Paul and Ryan Gregoricos. Thank you so much for being our amazing patrons. We love you all. And we are excited to go into season three, this wonderful journey with all of you. If you're interested in becoming a patron yourself, that is patreon.com slash OUA timing. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Facebook. Uh, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcast. Guys, my baby got really sick, so I'm very tired. Um, he's Baby's fine. fine. It wasn't now. COVID. We got, we got tested. We got tested. It wasn't COVID. It was RSV. He's fine now. We're good. Um, and uh, you can follow us on our wonderful Facebook page. It is facebook.com slash group slash OUA Timing. You can follow us on Twitter at OUA Timing. I am at Beth Elderkin. I am just underscore Abby. You about ran out of breath there at the end there. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's just I get, I just got flashbacks to when I was in my third trimester. Uh, we will be back next week with season three, episode two. That is right, folks. We are back to a weekly schedule, and we could not be more thrilled. Um, this is going to be quite an interesting journey through the dark world of Neverland, and then after that, we get frozen. You guys, it's happening. We're so close. It's happening. So thank you everyone for joining us and Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week, Beth. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.